we feel this one's fairly unique and that it is employers who are making a socially responsible investment, accepting a slightly lower rate of return to help make these projects happen and make sure that there's housing for their employees to live in. Welcome to Buzz House, a Bakertilly podcast where you can find all the buzz around multifamily housing. I'm Don Bernard, the partner in charge of Baker Tilly's multifamily housing practice. And I'm Garrett Gibson, a partner at Baker Tilly, also specializing in consulting on multifamily housing transactions across the country. Each week, we'll bring you a guest or a topic in the multifamily housing industry that will help you win now and anticipate tomorrow. Let's get started. Our guest today on the bus house is Lori Heinemann, who we've had a pleasure to work with and it's good, been good to get to know Lori over, over the past year or two. Uh, Lori is the president and CEO of the Madison Development Corporation and also the managing member of the Dane Workforce Housing Fund. We're gonna be having a discussion with Lori about the innovative concept of the Workforce Housing Fund today. Before jumping into our discussion with Lori, just a couple of updates from around the industry. The CDFI fund opened the next new market tax credit allocation round with applications due January 13th, 2022. I know many of our developer clients listening are working on community development projects where new market tax credits might be a fit. Many of you know that the applications for new markets frequently are looking for potential pipeline projects. So it's a great time to get in front of those CDEs working on their applications right now to have them take a look at your projects right now. Switching gears, the Council of Development Finance Agencies recently released a report which noted that the issuance of multifamily private activity bonds, which can be of course combined with 4% low-income housing tax credits, reached a record high in 2020 of 17.2 billion, uh, up from around 16.4 billion in 2019. There are of course a number of states uh, oversubscribed uh, for these bonds and only four states across the country reported no bonds used for multifamily housing. It's just been amazing over the last four years, the amount of private activity bonds for multifamily housing jumped from only around 6.6 billion to obviously up to 17.2. So just an incredible uh, increase. We of course are watching very closely the negotiations in Washington, D.C. about possibly reducing the 50% test to 25% test, as Garrick and I have frequently uh, discussed on the Buzz House. Uh, finally, HUD recently announced $2 billion in new community development block grants for disaster relief. There are 10 areas that experienced hurricanes, wildfires, earthquakes, and other natural disasters in 2020. Uh, these areas include Alabama, California, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Oregon, uh, Puerto Rico, and Tennessee. So more to come out on that. Now, very excited to jump into our conversation with Lori. Uh, Lori, thanks again, and very, very glad to have you on the Buzz House today. Would you start off by letting our listeners know about Madison Development Corporation and, and your role with the organization? Absolutely. Thank you, Don. So Madison Development Corporation is a nonprofit economic development corp that was established in 1977 by the city of Madison. Our mission is basically to provide quality affordable housing and provide loans to small businesses and ventures in the greater Madison area. Uh, we also develop, own, and now we manage 350 units of affordable workforce housing in Madison. And about a decade ago, we started getting into investment funds where interestingly enough, the majority of our investors are banks seeking CRA credits. Uh, one of these funds is the Workforce Housing Fund that we launched in 2020, which we'll be talking about today. 
Uh, I joined MDC five years ago as the president after a decade in the banking industry and serving as the banking and securities commissioner for the state of Wisconsin for about eight years, including the period of 2008 to 2011. All right. Thanks for that introduction. And like you mentioned, we are here today to talk about the Dane Workforce Housing Fund. It really seems like a program that could be replicated in other communities around the country. And so would you be able to give some background on how this fund actually came together? Yes, I'd be happy to, Garrick. The fund came together uh, through the United Way of Dane County, led by Renee Moe, and she saw the need for affordable workforce housing in the groups of people that they were serving through United Way. So she encouraged business leaders, many of who were on her board, to address the need by creating a fund to help create more affordable housing. So the goal initially was to just focus on workforce housing. And the reason for this is there's many employers that are investors in the funds that were recruiting employees into the Madison region, which is growing quickly, but those employees were unable to find housing. So what happened is they decided to first focus on workforce housing, which we're defining on units that are rented to households that make between 40 to 100 to 120% of the area median income, you know, as defined by HUD. And then the other part is to really focus on developments that are in Dane County, because that is the area that is commutable to the greater Madison area. So the Economic Stability Council was basically set up by the United Way and was chaired by a local industry leader and United Way board member, Rich Lynch, the chair of J.H. Findorf, which is a large general contractor in the region. The Economic Stability Council included major employers in the region, um, our largest health system, UW Health, WPS Insurance, Madison Gas and Electric, many local banks, credit unions, and foundations. So they brought together this group and decided that they were going to start a fund to fill the gap in financing, in projects to help make them happen here in the region. So just kind of on a, another note, Garrick, there are other models that we researched right up front, the Atlanta Affordable Housing Fund, and certainly you know, other funds that have been set up throughout the United States. But we feel this one's fairly unique in that it is employers who are making a socially responsible investment, accepting a slightly lower rate of return to help make these projects happen and make sure that there's housing for their employees to live in. Yeah, thank you for that. That that seems to be uh, something that I'm hearing in some other localities that, that I've traveled across is is that shortfall of, of that workforce housing and, and, you know, what funds are going to be there to target that. So moving on, what, what does the actual process look like for reviewing a project? And in general, you know, what have your lending terms been for these types of products? So the process, Garrick, is one that we have used in managing some of our other funds. First, we put together a technical advisory committee made up of the experts in the affordable housing industry across the region. And of course, one of these experts is Don Bernards, um, as well as developers, financiers, and syndicators of affordable housing projects. So we have this 13-person uh, committee made up of these experts who first review the project that the developer is proposing that you know gets financed through the fund. If they meet the basic criteria, our MDC team basically scores it. And if they meet the basic criteria, we'll do a little bit deeper dive and then we'll put together a term sheet. And those term sheets have typically been loans, loans from $500,000 to $2 million per project. Our goal is to have about $20,000 per unit. So those, 
those project sizes have ranged, you know, up to 116 units, uh, particularly, uh, and that was our largest loan, about $2 million. But overall, our loan terms are four to four and a half percent, depending if you're for profit or nonprofit, 15 years fixed, interest only, maybe the first two or three years, and then a balloon payment at the end of 15 to 18 years, depending on how many years that they go interest only. And then we also require some ongoing compliance, of course, from these you know, borrowers. And the compliance is typically, uh, we want to come in in second position only to the primary lender. So as long as the primary lender and the light tech investor, et cetera, has their main criteria, we, we will accept their reports and then ch certainly check the, red, the, you know, the rent rolls. So what we're trying to do with this fund is kind of make it regulatory light so that we're not putting additional burden on the borrower, but making sure that those projects are happening here in Dane County. Lori, thanks. Thanks for that kind of overview of, of the underwriting process. Knowing some of the projects you funded, it's it's just it's right. You've got you've you've had tax credit, loan closing tax credit projects. You've had non loan closing tax credit, but of course workforce. You've lent to for profits. You lent to nonprofits. So it's it's a nice mix. Is that you know it, as long as you're targeting that workforce housing, that's you see kind of continue going forward that that mix. You're not it's not one or the other. It's hey, bring us a a workforce housing project. Is that kind of how you see the, the future? Right, and, and, and you're right. We certainly have had some of both. Mainly, it's the ones that have the gap in, and because that gap, of course, is is there because of the rise in costs. Um, I will say, after we get through the technical advisory on the underwriting side, we do go into underwriting. We have a great group out of Chicago that helps us do the deep underwriting on the tax credit deals. And then we write it up um, into a loan investment committee, and we take it to the loan committee. The loan committee is made up of our 14 investors. Our 14 investors include large employers who collectively employ over 25,000 people in the region, just so you know, but they aren't experts in affordable housing. So again, you know, we have good legal counsel. We have um, a great uh, CPA that basically meets with the loan committee with us. We present the deal. And then after they decide, yes, we're going to go ahead with it, we do a capital call and fund the company. So that's kind of from the beginning, you know, the technical review committee to the term sheet to the underwriting, to the loan committee, and then to the funding. Laura, I know you're, uh, you're right. You've, I think you, you've funded a, a number of deals. You were talking uh, earlier that you've already got a, a pipeline of deals. It seems very successful, and, and obviously knowing the need, there's no maybe surprise there. So maybe tell us about the pace of your loans. When you you know when when you might have, you know expand this this 11 plus million dollars, and then what's you know what's next? Right, it's been successful. Is there is there a second fund on the horizon, or what's next? Yes, uh, thank you so much. So yes, as far as the pace of the loans, it's been interesting to see the money coming from the federal government and the neighborhood investment funds, the CDBGDR. And so we thought that might lighten up our deal flow, but in fact, it's gotten more people interested and in, into the market and starting to develop. So we actually have $4.2 million already invested into four different projects in four different communities. And we are now looking at three additional projects and three new communities, interestingly enough. And those three projects um, are looking at probably about a, another four and a half million in investments. So overall, you know, our, our pace is, is coming along steady. I have not really done any marketing per se. We've gotten some nice referrals from our investors. And as I mentioned before, um, many of our investors are banks that are in this space. And so when they see a gap, uh, they do refer that client to us, and it's fantastic. So we're, we're you know, very happy with that. I do see um, a fund, too, for the Dane Workforce Housing Fund. This is a 
a rapidly growing area. You know, one of our employers, Exact Sciences, is already up over 3,000 employees. UW Health has not over 9,000 employees. So we do see a fund, too, for the Day and Workforce Housing Fund. Um, we're also exploring the idea of a smaller fund for an eight-county region with our local um, Regional Economic Development Corporation, and that's that's very much in, a, in its infant stages, but we are getting calls from around the region, and we want to make sure that we can meet that. Uh, that would be a new group of investors, however, in a little bit different terms. Awesome. Thank you for that, that information. You know, Don and I are always thinking about what's out there to help push affordable housing in whatever which way we can. So, you know, as we wrap this up, Lori, any general advice uh, you would give to others around the country looking to set up a similar type of fund? That's a really good question, Garrick. I've got to say that I came into the process after the employers and the United Way had partnered together and made a decision that they wanted to focus on addressing poverty. And so the chancellor of the university, the mayor of the city of Madison, the county exec, and major employers, including like American Family and CUNA Mutual Group and UW Health got together and they said, we need to address poverty. And one of the, the biggest problems with poverty is people not building equity in their homes. So I would suggest that that was a very good process to bring the employers together find a champion to start the discussion, decide how you want to address the market and where you want to fill the gap and what income levels you want to serve. Because workforce housing was really, really important to this particular group of employers because we know that federal funds really focus on the very low to low income households and all of their scoring revolves around that. That's not the target of this market. It is workforce housing, people who are making, you know, 50000 to 120000 so that they can afford to live in a quality, nice place here in the greater, you know, Madison and Dane County area. So that would be my suggestion. Get that group together, get a champion, find someone who, you know, knows how to run funds and, and launch it with a good attorney and CPA, of course. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Lori, very good. We really, really appreciate your time today, Lori. Really good information. Uh, I think really an example of what can be done out there. We need to be uh, creative in, in this in this space to, to kind of fill gaps. So again, Lori, thank you for joining the Buzz House today. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Don and Garrick. Thank you for listening to Buzz House. To receive a notification when new episodes are available, please subscribe to Buzz House, a Bakatilly podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. For additional resources around multifamily housing, check out bakertilly.com. And if you have a suggested topic, please send them to build at bakertilly.com. That's B-U-I-L-D at bakertilly.com.